welcome to Getting to Show You, a podcast where my friend Balt and I take turns introducing each other and you, the listener, to media that we love. I'm Lou, and this season, I have the pleasure of getting to show you DuckTales 2017. Woo! <laughs> Uh, so yes, uh, just a heads up that this is episode four in a season and we highly recommend you listen to the other episodes before that. And highly recommend to watch the whole season yeah. as well because first of all, it's fun. Second of all, I think we have stopped recapping everything because it doesn't really make sense for this format, I guess. I mean, it makes sense for single pieces of media but for tv shows yeah. where you do multiple episodes an episode that it gets a lot to recap everything so yeah um, this is the rare time where maybe knowing the media we talk about would help <laughs> but i think it would be very fascinating if somebody listened to all four episodes of us talking about a, a season of a tv show that they haven't watched that would i mean be very like commitment we that said would be impressive in the beginning the idea is that people can listen to the podcast without knowing the media and i stand mm. by that <laughs> <laughs> okay, tell us so if you're listening to this and you've never seen an episode yeah. of ducktales like genuinely what are you like i am curious how are you feeling about this if this is the case <laughs> yeah i mean people have done well or stuff like people watch eight hour uh youtube essays about tv shows that i've never seen or movies that i've never watched so why not <laughs> yeah true true we filled this niche i guess yeah. all right okay shall but we, let's get we, into it because, yes ah! yes yes i know it's the season where we we have the season finale in this batch of episodes the the, the season one finale but before we get to the finale we have more episodes uh, to talk about before yeah. and they are all quite intense um yeah. i I've, I've noticed like watching this batch of episode i was like wow they really just keep punching you like they keep going <laughs> it just doesn't stop <laughs> they sure do it is a lot like these these last couple of episodes a lot is going on <laughs> many things get uh like revealed or happen that are set up in the previous ones and Boy, oh boy, I took so many notes. <laughs> Hell yeah. So let's start with episode 120, The Secrets of Castle McDuck. So, the family returning to the home of Clan McDuck. Scrooge's uh -huh. parents. And we meet Scrooge's parents. It's so fun. It It's, is fun. It, I, I love how they, how they manage to bring back all these characters that should technically not be alive. And they just find excuses why they're still around. I guess. I don't know how it's in like the usual canon. If they're the, dead or it, whatever. It, there's uh you know the the Barks comics. Um, they are dead as far as I understand. In those, I'm not a hundred percent sure on the story, but I think it's like a really big deal that Scrooge's mother died and like the way she died. Um, but mm -hmm. they, you know, this is a fun option that they've gone with here. Yeah. Yeah, it's very, very funny that he accidentally made them immortal, I guess, <laughs> with some discount runestones or whatever. It was uh, very funny. Um, yeah. And this was sort of the opportunity for them to, like, get all their, um, like, clan McDuck in there. Like, they, they had apparently set up, like, this huge family tree, and they were like, we gotta put as many of them in here as 
possible. <laughs> Amazing. Of course, there's also like an ancient uh, like uh, treasure hidden in that house <laughs> because you know, it's, it cannot just be a normal family reunion. It has to be a treasure hunt as well. I, this episode is really a peak David Tennant energy episode. Like he's just going full Jesus. out there. It's so funny. Like I I don't know if we mentioned that last episode, but like it's it is very difficult to go through an immense David Tennant phase for several reasons and then listen to Scrooge McDuck talking. Yeah, it, it is, is it is wild. Like uh, currently, most of the media I consume at the point of recording this is surrounding David Tennant in some way, <laughs> and it is very confusing when one of them is animated and he's a duck. you hear it and you're like you have this image of like i can vividly see david tennant performing these lines in the booth while i watch this it's very Mm -hmm. distracting Uh, oh well um but he's just incredible it's so much fun listening to him i said this in like episode one that like his line deliveries are always absolutely just killer yeah i i I think this is uh, like the one that really killed me was when they talked about whiskers, the pet ball of hair. <laughs> Joke. <laughs> that was he really did the most with that. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely beautiful. Um, I also think I remember that joke and I'm not sure if it's like in the context of the DuckTales universe like if I've seen that somewhere before or if that's just something that some other show or media also It could be. I feel like I've I've seen this kind of joke before where like Mm -hmm. an inanimate object like a ball of fur is a pet but Mm -hmm. I also couldn't tell you where but it's it's good regardless Yeah Um, to sort of like get more into the meat of the episode it's obviously Uh Dewey's um, you know attempt to hide the secret from his brothers and ultimately failing to do so and it is really one of like it is such a good episode for the triplets because Mm -hmm. it both shows like exactly their personalities and how you know what's like under the surface Mm -hmm. and you know also shows sort of what makes them such a good team and so strong together. Yeah. I really like that. I really like that about the episode because it really gets you, like, it really pulls your heartstrings there. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like the whole episode is also set up so perfectly. Like, it's such good writing in this, like, in, in terms of the whole arc um, with Della and the mystery of, like, uh, their mother's disappearance but also the episode in itself is so well contained and like built up so perfectly like he starts out with the orb and um like he's very intense about it staring at the pictures in it um and like being so jumpy when uh, webby call uh, like uh, catches him doing it and uh, then how it's set up that he wants to sort of protect them from the truth because of what if the truth hurts them. And it builds up so perfectly. And it, I was suffering this whole time because, of course, mm-hmm. I wanted all the triplets to know about it. And, of course, I knew it would go horrible if they found out. And, like, not by Dewey telling them, but by accident, of course, like, it all exploded. Um and i think it's such a well written episode oh yeah 
It's also one with like some of the strongest animation. It's kind of mm-hmm. subtle, uh, but like there is a lot of you know these very high effort frames and uh, mm-hmm. movements in there. That really, you know, the more you watch the show over and over again, the more you get to pay attention to that. What I really loved was um, that um, that bit with the ghosts, like they were in these dark underground paths, like uh, hallways, and they keep on setting um, off these ghosts that hide everywhere. And it's so sinister and everything. But in the end, it's just, you know, the McDuck family. Yeah. They're going to stand behind them and support them and scare away the big, uh, creepy dog. In general, I really, really love this theme of, like, people have always been people. And, like, these very strong connections we have with, like, our ancestors and, like, everyone Mm -hmm. who came before us. Because, you know, like, um, Fergus's father was with Fergus the same way as Fergus is with Scrooge and yeah. just uh, everything like you the, the the way that this episode creates these like parallels to say even though these people died like so long ago or you know mm-hmm. they were so far removed from us technically they're all like the Duck family today they're the mm-hmm. same it's just I, I, I love it when, when media does that when it's like hey, they were always just people they weren't different from us they had the same Mm -hmm. habits the same faults the same quirks just in a different time i really like yeah and that it's also such a like not to jump ahead but it's such a good emotional setup for the finale and for what's coming there like the the theme of family and of course then it makes sense that it's um kind of a dewey-centric episode but also an episode where all of the triplets um like get separated but then have to come together again of course and like oh my god that moment where louis gets so upset um that dewey didn't tell them something about their mom that was such a good delivery it absolutely broke my heart it was so good yeah this is sort of where we get introduced to this um concept of louis not just being you know the goofy Mm -hmm you know, a lazy guy who just cares about the money, but, like, there is mm-hmm. so much hidden under there, so yeah. much, you know, he's very sensitive and very sad and mm-hmm. fragile, and that is really, that was such a wonderful and sad way to introduce that, and I, I'm going to probably say this for every episode, but uh, Dominic Lewis, who does the music, does mm-hmm. such an incredible job because I think you're like you're on your first watch. You're probably not really noticing the soundtrack, but I'm on mm-hmm. my like tenth watch, and I'm mm-hmm. practically just paying attention to that now. And every single episode, I am blown away by what this guy has been doing mm-hmm. with the show. It's just, it just keeps keeps getting better and more. Mm-hmm. Like so many scenes, have this huge emotional impact because the music is so perfectly timed and so perfectly written for it. Yeah, no, you're right. I don't have time to pay attention to that because there's so much else going on. Um, Yeah, but something I also want to say um, about this episode is that, you know, from my perspective of someone who has, like, baseline knowledge of this universe and these characters or, like, that was my starting point, at least when I went into this. The triplets, like you said many times before, they are or used to be always a unit. 
and over the course of this um of this uh season they have established that sometimes they're not all three of them together because sometimes mm. they they do their own stuff um and still made a perfect point of showing that they work best when they're together so i think that's why it had such a huge emotional impact when um at that one point they run away from the big scary dog creature um Demon they separate yeah. they, they they all go in separate uh, directions or different directions that really made me like feel <laughs> stuff um and that only worked because it was so perfectly set up um in the whole season before that um that yes they sometimes go separate ways uh, but like for reasons and also they work best when they're together so that was really really good and it was especially good when then um, later Dewey fell down and was like cornered and the other two jumped back in and saved him <laughs> and scared away the big big scary dog um together with the rest of their family that was ah they yeah. deserved that that like they build it up so well and they deserve the emotional impact it creates so yeah yeah so well done I have one one last thing, which I absolutely really appreciated is Webby in this episode, um, because yeah. they could have easily said, okay, well, Webby is not with them on this trip. She's she's st staying at home <laughs> because like they need a reason for her to not ask these questions constantly. I guess because that would have been like too easy, giving her all the answers like people who can answer her questions. <laughs> And they chose to take her along and say, no, she is part of this family. And they also chose to make her the most autistic. <laughs> she's, she, like, literally, I think they say she's having a joy overload. <laughs> I think that is yeah, she, so... Yeah. I, I really love the choices they made. And I imagine that it was probably the funnest day in the recording booth as well to record all those... <laughs> Noises. Yeah, absolutely <laughs> incredible. I think that's that's what I have for that one. All right, then we're moving on to one twenty one. Who is Gizmo Duck? My bestie, my buddy, my love. Yeah, Fenton. Yeah, and it's it's honestly we we see a glimpse of him, we hear his voice, and I'm immediately like, oh my god, he's back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true. Yeah, yeah, you have this little reveal. Where it's like, oh, he's also here, by the way. <laughs> it's like, oh, hey. Mm -hmm. Hell yeah, and then it is obviously an episode completely focusing on him. And I, I've mentioned this before, but Frank Angonis really wanted a Latino superhero for this show. Mm -hmm. And um, the he, he wanted there to be like, he wanted the character to really have, you know, layers to really sort of mm -hmm. come into his identity and to mm -hmm. be sort of between worlds and balance, you know, all of these different people that he is and the code switching and honestly mm -hmm. the fact that this is so well done and so complex for a kid show it yeah. blows me away every single time I watch this episode because it could just as easily be a normal superhero movie mm -hmm. it would not be very different it just yeah, has a absolutely. few more silly sillier goofs that's yeah. it it really is the, the story is incredible mm-hmm I I was very fascinated because it did have the feel of like the the first 
like of like the the Iron Man movies, for example, mm. like the whole thing of him having to figure out the suit now and having to run tests and seeing what the boundaries are and how to fix them. But also it went in such unpredictable ways. Like, um, yeah, it's a packed episode, man. Like every time I think about it, I'm like, shit, that that was all one episode, right? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely incredible how they made all of that fit into like this. Really, Marvel has no excuse to make all these long ass movies. (laughs) You can't tell a story (laughs) like that in such a short time Uh, if you are good at what you're doing. Hell yeah, Um, no shade. Uh, (laughs) Maybe a little bit of shade. Um, anyway, uh, no, it was very cool that, um, you know, of course, Mark Beeks has to show up and ruin everything. And, like, my first thought was that he would maybe try and make a suit like that and get, like, be- become a rival of, of some sort. But, of course, he doesn't, because that would, like, require to... Be, to actually know what you're doing and be smart yeah, and like work it. yeah he, he just gives like throws some money at it and makes an app <laughs> and makes the guy who already has the suit wear his logo ah what a horrible horrible bird <laughs> he's also, so bad I think this is one of the main things that really got me like holy shit when i you know first one like when the when ducktales was new and you like had to figure out okay so what kind of show is this and then they were like yeah okay so we've created this new villain for this show mm-hmm. and you're like okay so he's like this elon musk zuckerberg ty- zuckerberg type of guy mm-hmm. and then they were like yeah what if he was also racist and you're like yeah. oh Oh, okay. So this this kind of show, like they uh-huh. obviously they don't like lean into it too heavily mm-hmm. because it's you know it's a Disney cartoon show and they have to abide by a lot of rules. But mm-hmm. they chose to like explicitly make him like say these microaggressions towards Fenton mm-hmm. the moment he realizes who Fenton is, and it's mm-hmm. incredibly like uncomfortable. And yeah, y- you realize, oh wow, this is a villain, villain. I get it. Okay, yeah. I see now. This is not the guy. This guy will not be redeemed. This is not like mm-hmm. a glom gold funny villain. This is a yeah. fucking asshole. Like a real life asshole. Yeah, absolutely. It. I think they managed a great balance here of making sure that we know this guy is absolutely garbage, racist piece of shit, yeah. but also not sca- like scaring. Um, kids or anything like that yeah it's not like milking it for like trauma porn kids version but it's very much Mm -hmm. clear on that and like frank and gona is like obviously he talks a lot about this character and the journey and Mm -hmm. for him it was really important to like show this side of you know what it's like to be you know a young latino man trying to figure yourself out trying to balance the different worlds you walk Mm -hmm. and you know there's always going to be the racists that you know have these expectations of what you are and like you know try to control you try to you know do feel superior to you mm-hmm. and so it was really important uh, to him to include that in Mark Beek's character mm-hmm. and he did a great job it's a yeah. fucking most beloved character I can think mm-hmm. of to me absolutely yeah and I just I just love the little like the, the mom it, uh, yeah, uh, Mama K- 
Cabrera is an absolute delight and she is yeah. very much based, as Fregagona said, on like all the Latina moms he's grown mm-hmm. up around. And yeah. it's just my favorite detail that they've introduced in this show is that she calls him Poito, which mm-hmm. is to me just the cutest idea in the world. I know it's very <laughs> obvious probably, but when I heard it for the first time, I was like, oh, that is so cute that is genius that a duck mom would call her son poito and so i was just like ah this show is perfect this is the smartest greatest show in the universe Uh, yeah that's that's i was very happy to to meet his mom she's she seems pretty (laughs) cool even though she's a cop yeah she is a cop but this is it's well yeah well what are you gonna do this is so I think like the only cop I can think of in the show. It's like she's the only one. <laughs> okay, well somebody has to <laughs> has to do something. But I, I, it makes a lot of sense series. when you have like Fenton being a sort of vigilante superhero, mm-hmm. I guess, in a way um, that the mom is like the actual law that mm-hmm. he's not representing. Uh, it, it it's another mm-hmm. tension that they've introduced to the character, where it's like, oh, he's doing things that his mom in her job, would disapprove of. A very mm-hmm. complex character they've thrown at us here with yeah. all of these layers. And just Lin- yeah. Lin-Manuel Miranda, I keep saying it, but it's just, I love listening to him. It was hard taking notes for this episode because I was just having so much fun watching it and listening to him. And yeah. just absolutely, mm-hmm. the way he delivers his lines is always a joy. I think one of my absolute favorites in the entire show is the, I am in control! Oh no! I'm in control! control. (laughs) Yeah, that was pretty good. It's just uh, always, always a delight. Always happy to see him. Speaking of amazing deliveries, I love Huey in this episode. Absolutely (laughs) adorable. Especially the animation of him with his big sparkly eyes when he watches watches Gizmo Duck fly away after the bank robbery. Um, That was incredible. But uh, the moment I loved the most in this whole episode, I think, was when when uh, Huey went up <laughs> to Gyro and was like, Dr. Gearloos, and he was like, some, some kid. kid. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I loved, I think that was one of my favorite bits in the episode. Oh, yeah. Of course, uh, yeah. It's a lot of good stuff there. The, mm-hmm. it, honestly, the dialogue is written so perfectly for the show. It's yeah. always because even though I know what they're going to say at this point, I always crack up at the delivery. Also, the Waddle Duck theme. Again, yeah, that's what, that's... it's an absolute master. Mm-hmm. And it's just, every time I'm like, holy shit, you wrote that for that show, huh? It's just... It's... It is. I I had a little bit of a meltdown when it started playing because honestly, the first few bars, especially, it sounds like I need a hero. Yeah, That's yeah. It. I mean, intentionally, <laughs> yeah, I was like, sort of. Not another one of these. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we've no had too I much. Hero, <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. We've we've uh, been having a bunch of I need a hero. This is definitely not copyright infringement songs. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but exactly. also the one thing that always confuses me about the water duck theme and also later songs that as far as i understand dominic lewis is singing them himself if mm-hmm. but it is very hard for me to find out it's not he's not credited like no one is credited mm-hmm. for the singing and okay. i think i tried like figuring it out through like questions frank agonis has answered and like i think the closest to an answer i could come to was him saying like i think it was dominic lewis but I don't even like I can't even say that with a hundred percent guarantee, but okay. it always sounds 
like Dan Avedon of Ninja Sex Party. Mm-hmm. And every mm-hmm. single time I'm like, it cannot be someone else, but it's not him. If it was him, they probably <laughs> would have credited him. It most likely is yeah. Dominic Lewis himself who wrote it and then, you know, didn't bother being like, oh, mm-hmm. yeah, credit. he's already credited for the music anyway. Okay, so, well. <laughs> I, every time I'm like, how is this not Dan Avedon? <laughs> how is this mm-hmm. not him? <laughs> yeah. But it's such a banger of a song, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I need to. Is it on Spotify? No, I I, like I said, unfortunately, honestly, to my absolute great, just, this just sadness. They never put the Ducktales soundtrack anywhere. They never mm-hmm. released it. I don't understand why. It is truly it's so incredible. Mm. Even just like just the songs, the standalone songs that they wrote, but also just the soundtrack in general. Oh, yeah, I, I also have, as a note, in all caps, Mark Beek's Magical Girl Transformation. Yeah. <laughs> and that was such a good visual gag. Yeah, yeah. That when when he wears the the suit, that it's a Magical Girl Transformation yeah. because he's just so extra. Uh, yeah, he is very extra. I mean, that is absolutely magic how they managed to write a character who is like everything you hate in a human being. But make him fun to watch. I mean, I guess most of the credit goes to the voice acting performance because yeah. if you don't cast the right guy, you will not get this across. Um, mm-hmm. But it really is, it's wild that it's like every time Mark Beekes is on screen, you're like, this is going to be funny, but also I'm going to be so mad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think um, the first episode he appeared, I didn't really get the whole thing like i've i've just really enjoyed him as a villain but i am beginning to really absolutely hate him also and i think that's uh like i mean once you make a character racist there's no going back there (laughs) there's just sort of ah okay uh, yeah okay i got it absolutely no also also the fact that he just slaps his logo on on the suit and then <laughs> it gives the guy little electroshocks when he doesn't do what he wants it's just so fucked up it's so good i mean they really really leaned into this character and i appreciate yeah. that because he's also the perfect you know villain for fenton who's so pure of heart mm-hmm. it's unbelievable absolutely yeah yeah, Anything I else? think that's it. Okay, no. then then let's move on to 122, mm-hmm. the other bin of Scrooge McDuck, which is mm-hmm. another one of those incredible tearjerker episodes that they just keep throwing at us for the end of the season. Uh, of course, Ooh, Nina focused, yeah. Webby focused. I'm assuming you enjoyed this a lot. Oh, I had, I, I did enjoy it. I had such a difficult time because yeah. Catherine Tate is doing <laughs> the most <laughs> with this character. She's so good. I'm so glad Absolutely. they cast her. Oh my God. What a great choice. Like the <laughs> in the beginning when she's like, oh, I miss Carnage. It's like, oh, uh, she's a very she's good so villain. Good. Yeah. Um, and also I absolutely love her. I mean, this is really another glimpse, very, very deep into Lena's psyche and struggles. Mm-hmm. And I also, I I think we mentioned this before, but I really like this element of her being like really good at manipulating other people, mm-hmm. like knowing exactly what to say to Webby to get her to do what she wants, because she yeah. herself has known nothing but manipulation. So mm-hmm. she knows exactly like what, how to push people's buttons. And yeah. it's just these little details to show like, 
what kind of environment she comes from is like it's chilling the whole episode is chilling to be quite honest like the whole thing with the nightmare and it's really intense like it's genuinely upsetting to children Mm -hmm. i would assume to like watch this unfold like this shadowy figure killing this little girl and everything like it is a lot yeah it was upsetting to me and like (laughs) yeah yeah it was very intense and then I have never been more relieved to find out that it's all just a dream. <laughs> you yep. know, this whole trope is is certainly something and you have to know how and when to use it. And they uh, really like, made me so glad that it was all just a dream. <laughs> yeah, like this whole theme of Lena thinking of herself as some kind of monster and like mm-hmm. the reason she keeps doing this is because she really doesn't think anyone would love her for who she is it's just Mm. such an intense story that gets me every time and then at the same time they have the absolute wildest subplot of the entire show thrown in there for emotional (laughs) counterbalance like every time and you get whiplash emotional whiplash yeah yeah (laughs) it's uh, it's nuts i cannot even like I wrote down notes about the Tenderfeet storyline because I had to remember that it's in there. But honestly, it could have just been about uh, Lena and Webby and yeah. uh, this whole nightmare. But understandably, that would have been way too intense. And yeah. they needed jokes. They need jokes per, I guess, contract, I guess. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it is a lot. And um, I think Fergagona said something like they... The problem with Louis was that, you know, the main feedback they got in the beginning was, okay, but he's not like, he's not likable. He's a bad role model. He's just a con mm-hmm. man. That's not a good kid character. So mm-hmm. they're, they opted for balancing it with even bigger con man that he like mm-hmm. outcons for good reasons mm-hmm. um so tenderfeet was one of those stories where you know you see oh okay yeah he's a good kid he's just you know mm-hmm. yeah yeah not perfect he has a bit of a different stuff like the going on that, yeah yeah but like that was i think a really funny choice to have this mm-hmm. um this this guy trying to con the family and he out cons him it's very good yeah he has to go back to the forest it's where he belongs it's so good <laughs> That was such a like it's stupid majestic forest. It it shows that Louis is just actually very very smart. Yeah, which I absolutely like that he he's not lazy. He just knows when to do something (laughs) and when to like sit back. (laughs) Hell yeah! Also, there's a little uh, Jurassic Park reference in there when uh, Scrooge says, "Clever girl." It always throws me yeah. off for some reason. I don't know why, but every time I'm thrown off by it, like, oh, okay. Yeah. That's a wild <laughs> thing. Yeah, also, a quick question, because I genuinely, I've watched the show so many times, but I actively do not remember right now. Does he have a shotgun? Does he carry a shotgun while hunting for whatever entities in his home? harpoon gun. A harpoon gun. I genuinely, yeah. my brain erased, like, the visual here, but... Yeah, okay, harpoon gun is apparently allowed because I was like, what does I thought Disney doesn't allow guns anymore. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, harpoon no, gun, harpoon I guess. Gun. Okay. Mm-hmm. 
a line that absolutely killed me was uh, when when Lena screamed, "I no, I'm not your puppet anymore." Yeah. It was so I had goosebumps. Yeah, it was because yeah, that's she is she's like she, the lack of control she has over her own life is truly upsetting, and the way like. Magica turns it around on her and then makes Webby into an actual puppet. How is this not a horror movie? It is. How is this a kids' show? Like <laughs> I feel like this would be one of those things where kids, once they grow up, having watched this, are like, "Oh yeah, th- so this is like this put the fear of mm-hmm. God in my heart when I watch this as a child. Like it is unlocked a new phobia for me. Oh God! <laughs> like, this is yeah. what I imagine the show is." sometimes to little little kids in the target audience yeah and then i mean by the end of it we're really um like working towards the big finale Mm. because like lena and magica confrontation and how she like goes family's supposed to help you not hold you hostage like she is now fully openly like talking back and like also highlighting the main theme, which is family, <laughs> and like making really sure that everybody gets that this is where we're heading towards, um, how family is supposed to work together. And then, oh my god, my heart broke so much when she somehow got like possessed, like this sort of witch possession that's happening mm. is so horrible when you think about how this whole time she has been fighting for more control and now she gets all the control stripped away that was yeah. whew, brutal and it's 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 really brutal like lena's story is a lot and i mm. i think they probably really fought a lot to get it through the way that they did mm-hmm. and had to do things like tender feet to uh, be allowed yeah <laughs> oh god I got a little emotional right now because yeah. I was thinking about what's ahead. Yeah. I, I think I, I do, to lift the mood, I think my favorite delivery, funniest delivery this episode was Louis. He's making a sandwich on a panini press. <laughs> Which mm-hmm. is just so funny. Like yeah. the, the specific word choice of panini press really got me. <laughs> yeah. And then and then when uh, Scrooge checks it out and goes like, oh, it's still warm. <gasps> good choice of condiments or something flavor combination it's or so something here yeah. funny so good god yeah. david tennant also i like just the little detail that huey was bird watching this uh-huh. is so cute love him oh yeah same uh i also it's pretty sure that same. what that the bird that they animated in there for him to be watching was a red cardinal yeah, it's a red cardinal. Absolutely. I wanted to I check. I was very but... delighted by that. Uh, yeah. I mean, not a lot of yeah. bright red birds out there, I guess. <laughs> yeah. It's the little, like, hairstyle. Yeah, it's the hair tuft. The it's very recognizable. Has. Yeah. Yes. It's so cute. It's also, bad. I guess this sort of allows you to geo guess the location of Duck Park if you really <laughs> wanted to. Yeah, <laughs> yeah maybe. Oh, one last thing I wrote down was uh, the animation of the unicorn. That was so funny. Like, the visual gags in, the, in these episodes amazing. Yeah. True. True. Yeah. Yeah. It's absolutely gorgeous. Sword horse. Um, also, the delivery of Webby when she says sword horse yeah. really took me out. Like, I don't know, for some reason, like, I don't know what, what, what she did with her voice there, but 
it's mm-hmm. so funny because she always ha- puts on this like very cutesy girl voice for mm-hmm. Webby. And then she just went into a very normal register for Sword Horse. <laughs> like, it's so intense. Yeah. It makes me laugh every yeah. time. Sword Absolutely. Horse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that's uh, what I got for that episode. Okay. Other than lots of crying emojis. Yeah. Yeah, so, so let's move on to more crying emojis with 123, the last crash of the Sun Chaser. I don't even, I don't think I really took any notes here. No, it's just oh, like, I oh, I'm so. sad. Yeah. No, I'm just yeah. sad. I think I think the first note I took is uh, Mrs. B's cool sunglasses. <laughs> oh, yeah. Also, I did take a note on the MacGuffin joke, which I thought was really good. But Okay. It, honestly, it pales as the episode continues. Mm-hmm. The joke cannot lift the spirits. No, I mean, it, like, it, it starts out so lighthearted. On, yeah, they're just going to go on a family trip with the plane and launch pad is there. And of course, it's going to crash. And uh, yeah, and then Louis is suddenly having a panic attack because he thinks they're all going to die. <laughs> Honestly, that is one of my favorite, like, again, I've said this before, but Louis' line deliveries are pr- usually my favorites in the sense that they make me laugh the hardest. Yeah, and this development of yeah, we're you know follow my lead. We're going to distract Scrooge and like, I, you know we're going. You know, I know exactly what we're gonna say. We're gonna pretend mm-hmm. that we're worried and get his attention mm-hmm. away, and like this development from like oh I'm pretending to be worried into oh oh no wait shit oh no we're yeah. actually going to that. It's just it's yeah. so well written and so well delivered. It gets mm-hmm. me every time. We're gonna die. And then also it just it just keeps like the switches between what they think and what they're saying is that's mm. something that's very there in this episode. Like when um, Scrooge goes, "Nothing's bad, uh, nothing bad's gonna happen to her." Uh, the kids, yeah, like, they are all like in the situation, but they're thinking about other things than they're saying. And like, of course, it gets pretty obvious that he talks about. Della, but it's not clear yet what he means. And yeah, the miscommunication uh, there is huge in this episode. The reason for all the pain. And I don't really know what to say. I mean, it's just sad. It's just a sad episode. The reveal that, so... you know, what what happened, to, like the reveal of what happened to Della, that, you know, mm-hmm. she disappeared or crashed with a rocket that Scrooge built for her that he feels yeah. responsible for it that he never recovered from like this pain mm-hmm. that Donald has always blamed him for it and that certainly didn't help and that's the reason they didn't talk this whole time and you know the way that it really puts into perspective Scrooge's character development when you realize this is why he started the show the way he did and this mm-hmm. is how far he's come yeah oof Oh, when he says not again, and you know something what? fucked up happened before, and he lost family before, and now he's so scared of losing family again. And... Also, Dewey in this episode, <sighs> my heart is breaking into a billion pieces. Yeah, absolutely. I was he such makes a mess so by the sad. end of this. Yeah, absolutely devastating. Did not yep. see that coming. Nope. That Dana's lost in space, and like I did ab- absolutely that that uh, Scrooge blames himself for it. Of course he does, and it's so brutal that 
the triplets blame the, him as well. And of like he doesn't defend himself because he thinks on some level, some level maybe he deserves it. Like he tries to defend himself, but he can't because he thinks maybe they're right. I'm so sad. Oh. <laughs> also, oh God. just God, all the and like the end of the episode where oh, fuck. he um so that that final visual of him in the chair, like okay, fine, then this is what it's gonna be and it's just me and everybody is against me, is a direct visual reference to the first appearance of Scrooge in the comics, where he's introduced as sitting in that chair, in this Mm -hmm. pose, and saying, like, everybody hates me and I hate everybody. So Mm -hmm. that was a very cool callback and sort of a very cool idea. Like, the first time Scrooge gets introduced at all to the world Mm -hmm. is sort of the point he goes back to like this is how yeah. he, you know, all of this character development out the window because he feels just there's just so much pain and so much betrayal and so yeah. much misunderstanding. Oh God! And then and then you know how the "Are you happy?" Um, echoes in his brain, and he sits there, and there's tears on his face, and he goes like, "I am." genuinely David Tennant brings his everything to everything he does and that is a bit of a problem because this is supposed to be a kids show but I'm crying yeah I was such a mess absolutely I was like David Tennant please drop your location I have I have words to exchange with you I mean in general but yes all right then let's move on to 124 and 125 the shadow war part one and two yeah, I was a little confused about the episode title for episode 24, The Night of the Spell, because it was written like D.E. Spell. I was like, why? And then I realized, oh, it's her last name, like Magic at the Spell. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen it written down. And That's very funny. It makes sense, of course. But yeah. So, <sighs> yeah, we are back to... Um... Sort of like the, the, like this episode has a lot of callbacks to the pilot, like a lot of mm-hmm. same situations, a lot of you know the idea. Now we're finally going to Cape Suzette, which is I don't know if I mentioned this in the first episode, but this is a reference to another Disney afternoon cartoon, uh, Tailspin, oh, which okay, yeah. is in my opinion the wildest of the afternoon cartoons, because mm-hmm. what they did for Tailspin was take Jungle Book characters and put them in an alternate universe where they are like people and Mowgli's not there. It's a completely different story. It's a complete alternate universe. Like, even the characterizations is like, not even, like they just have the same names. Yeah, and I remember the, that. A, the AU that they choose is sort of a 1930s Pacific, like fictional Pacific Island setting. Yeah. It is so wild. I yeah. don't know why they did this, but it 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 is <laughs> conceptually speaking absolutely insane that they did this and it is generally yeah. based on a show called Tales of the Gold Monkey which was uh-huh. like it's the same thing like a cargo pilot in a Pacific mm-hmm. island in the 30s and that show was created by 
Donald Pete Belisario, who is responsible for a lot of shows I'm very unnormal about, like Magnum mm-hmm. P.I. and Quantum oh, Leap and okay, Navy CIS. And that is one of his shows. And I did try having a look at it, but maybe if I'm in a different, like if I have more time and I'm open to watching bad television because it looks really, really bad. But okay. it just, it's wild that, you know, this is fine that Donald Belisario made this show because that fits, that tracks. And then mm-hmm. having these creators of Disney cartoons be like, hi, yeah, we're going to do that with Jungle Book characters. <laughs> what? <laughs> what are you talking about? Why are you? Why yeah. would you do this? And But also, absolute banging theme, that show. Mm-hmm. It could could be I the best theme. It's very good. Yeah. Uh, very different from the other ones. It's very cool. But I did, mm-hmm. I did also try. Uh, I was talking about this in episode one that I tried to watch at least a little bit of all the afternoon cartoons mm-hmm. once Disney Plus came out. And Tespin, I think, was the one I struggled getting into the most for some reason, even though it feels like very much my type of thing, like mm-hmm. the the s- sort of unusual setting and everything, like this historical element. I don't know. I'll try again because now that I talked about it again, it's like Christ alive! What the hell is happening? <laughs> but um, yeah, it's wild that you know, like I said, this is the setting, this sort of mm-hmm. crazy island where you know they they have these wild adventures with their plane, and then Cape mm-hmm. that is just boring now. <laughs> and that was mm-hmm. a wild choice that. This is yeah. where they want to go because, oh, yeah, it's supposed to be like this cool place where so much intense stuff happens. But it's kind of boring now. And sort mm-hmm. of the implication that, like, it actually was, like, in the past in mm-hmm. the show when all of Tailspin happened. Okay. It's wild. It'll yeah. come up again, too. But for now, mm-hmm. this is just a wild reference to throw at you in there. Mm-hmm. For me, at least, because I just kept getting sidetracked thinking about Tailspin. <laughs> okay, I see. Yeah, it was like, uh, the way they framed it was like, oh yeah, this is probably supposed to tell me something, but I don't know what they're referencing here. <laughs> yeah. um, like the so, plane yeah. on the like the flyer they the have flyer, is, yeah. the, is the plane from the show and everything. And the, the font is the logo font. And Amazing. Okay. It is a very elaborate but really a throwaway line reference. Mm-hmm. Also, I really love um, the detail of Dewey um, sort of changing his identity depending yeah. on his situation. Because I relate He's to that. Dewey now. <laughs> He's both Dewey now. Both guy Dewey. And I relate to that intensely because uh-huh. I am very, very similar when I'm like, oh, I'm changing my life now. I'm just, yeah. I've changed everything about me. Uh, yeah. Uh, the big mood. <laughs> That's why my wardrobe is so huge because I need different kind of things for like yeah. when I'm with somebody else suddenly because I don't know I'm on in a different place or in yeah. a different mindset. That's yeah. That's very relatable. Um also his his line delivery of <laughs> back to the good old days. Woo. <laughs> so Oh my god, so good. Yeah, I mean this episode weirdly not super emotionally intense. Compared to oh, the previous one, okay. I think. I mean, it goes oh, towards the end, yourself. yes. I was emotionally destroyed by the pizza box triplets. Yeah, okay, <laughs> true. built in his mansion full of pizza boxes. How many yeah, true. did this, this duck eat? 
Yes. Yeah. It's a good joke. Uh, yeah. It's sad. I, I mean, I think more, more of the emotional stuff is like in the second part, in part mm-hmm. two. But I mean, it does set it up pretty well. And I, I think one of my favorite things is how much time Tennant and Tate get, who are mm-hmm. one of the greatest duos in television and oh, yet yeah. are given so few opportunities to work together. Mm-hmm. It's so sad because they are just, they are a perfect pair. They should always yeah. do stuff together forever. I think so too. Like every time people put those two in the same thing, they're so right for it. And I, yeah, I don't know why not more people do that. Mm. Yeah, the the whole thing that she thinks he's pretending to be pathetic on purpose <laughs> and then being so upset when she realizes, no, he is actually this pathetic and she's so angry at him. That's <laughs> like, so funny. So good. Very, very good. Um, and also her impression of what a teenage girl should be like. <laughs> yeah. Jeez, honestly, um, Catherine Tate is so, so good. But also, like, that, that visual at the beginning where, like, she bleeds out of Lena's eyes. It's like... Oh, God. I, I, when I watched this for the first time, I was like, oh, we have a successor to Gravity Falls here, huh? Because it's like, ooh, this is heavy oh, for kids, something... I think. Okay, yeah, I... I would have been scared to death yeah. by that. It's horrifying. Like, every time I watch a kid's show, I can't help but think about, like, how would a kid see this? And I think a kid uh-huh. would be scared shitless by this. Yeah. I think I think Catherine Tate is balancing it because, like, this whole... The, the affirmation yes. that she gives her, like, I am the dark shadow lying in wait. I am the stuff of nightmares looking at. She, she does it in a way that... Like, I, I was thinking, okay, reading this in a script, it could have been done completely different, but she does yeah. it like these affirmations, and that, like, that is what makes it also funny on top of being very, very terrifying. Yeah, they, they talked about how, like, Magica's personality and the way the character is was hugely influenced by eventually casting Catherine Tate because of the way mm-hmm. she performs. They, like, that really shaped the character in a way that they wouldn't have necessarily written her mm-hmm. if it was a different actor. It, it really is true. Like, if this was delivered any differently, it would be too much. Like, it would be too scary and too intense for kids. This way, Catherine Tate is so good at, like, playing this, just with her voice, this definitely evil, but very funny um, yeah, like it's just so silly. Uh, it has this mm-hmm. element of whimsy to it that is really, really fun. Yeah, absolutely. She's very good at what she's doing. Like I love her line delivery of "You have a confusing family structure." <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> your your housekeeper's granddaughter's best friend. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It is also a running gag in the show: the confusing family structure to villains. Mm-hmm. Um. Very funny every time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is a bit confusing. Like, his nephews that are actually his, like, great-nephews or mm-hmm. something. <laughs> uh, speaking of uh, the triplets, um, the bit where they all are um, on the houseboat and they get rid of stuff that remind, uh, like, remind them of Scrooge. And Louis pretending to throw the thing away and is like, <gasps> Goodbye. Scrooge. <laughs> <laughs> 
so funny. That was that was I think the the best delivery in the whole um, episode. I it was so like I wrote down many good quotes, but yeah. I think the delivery of the sploosh was <laughs> yeah absolutely incredible. <laughs> also, I I just the subplot of like Webby and Launchpad who are like yeah not directly part of the family, but mm-hmm. like they they cannot speak on the losing Della and everything because that's not someone mm-hmm. they lost. So they're mm-hmm. outside of this conflict, but they still care because they are part of the family just from yeah. coming in from outside. So having them mm-hmm. team up is was such a funny choice because they're so Absolutely, different. Yeah. And the like Dewey and Launchpad, they match perfectly. Like, yeah, that works. That mm-hmm. checks out. While Webby and Launchpad is like, ooh, they, are, they have nothing in common. They do not. I mean, they have Dewey in common, I guess. I guess they um, have Dewey in common, yeah. But like, it is such a cute also... way they teamed up and like they tried. They really tried. Yeah, I, I mean, they also like have in common the fact that if this like family falls apart, they will also both lose their yeah. family, even yeah. though it's not like blood family. And so I, th- yeah, I. Th- think i said this before that i really enjoy the different combinations of characters that mm-hmm. they throw together and make sense together like they really explore um, all of them yeah pretty much yes i love that um, also the parent trap reference through me because yeah disney <laughs> owns parent trap i guess but wild hearing that in a cartoon just straight up like out there just parent yeah, trap I just guess. the name of the movie like okay <laughs> Also, Dewey in this mm. episode, such a ball of feelings because, like, yeah. there's always this element of him like being a little isolated, like a little different. Mm-hmm. That really gets me every time. Like in the end, when like Donald and Miss Beakley and like they manage to convince the triplets that yes, even though this hurts a lot, we are family and we have to support. Mm-hmm. Like we have to support each other and we have to go back to Scrooge. And Dewey keeps sitting there, not able to like take that step yet while everyone else could like i i really like the way they do that visually and with the story but it always gets me real good to see this kid like always always a little isolated always a little different even from his family even when they all agree on something he still struggles to be on the same page it always gets yeah. me that's why dewey's my my triplet it's very hard yeah i mean it's understandable that the one guy who was really like feeling like putting the most value to family this whole time feels the most hurt by this secret about his family and the way it it all came to light yeah that absolutely broke my heart he is so i i constantly just want to hug him (laughs) yeah he really needs a hug (laughs) yeah also just just um putting it out there the when i mentioned that i saw like i i remember there being a hot goth duck in the mix yeah i absolutely meant magic you didn't mean magic okay I because i figured it. like the especially the word choice goth felt like you might be talking about the real like goth goth witch from darkwing okay. uh because she's like the like she is goth in the sense 
we humans are goth. Um, <laughs> okay. Like visually speaking. And okay. Magica is more like definitely a witch. Um, like yeah. This is a witch design. So I uh-huh. figured you might mean her, but... Yeah, I'm happy that it's Magica after all. <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm very happy. I it's very funny. She's it's, a hot goth witch. I love that. Interesting that there's more than one goth in this universe. <laughs> ah, very good. I mean, I guess we can move on to the second part. I mean, it's all sort of a big episode. But they actually did write it as two individual episodes that also work as one big episode. So they're just mm-hmm. absolutely... They're not normal. But <laughs> I'm glad it worked out for them. But it was apparently a huge struggle. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think they did really well. Yeah, especially because the opener of the of the second part of the finale is so good with Phantom sitting there. It's like, oh, just mm. the night sky and a swirling shadow vortex. A swirling shadow vortex. <laughs> Oh god, so I love good. him so much. It's so funny. And I also really, really like that they took this opportunity to show f- that Fenton isn't just a hero in the armor, that it's like really his personality and his character that mm. is the reason he deserves being a hero. Yeah. Pretty good. And like I they they already kinda established that in the like previous um uh Fenton centric episode yeah. where he then loses the suit and still acts heroically. And now the Shadow Phantom has the suit and he still um, decides to, you know, help out even without the suit. It's so good. Oh, we get Lena's origin story in this one, which is an absolute gut punch. <laughs> Whoops! Um, so this is the reason why Lena is so easily controlled by Magicka, because she made her Mm-hmm. Ouch! Yeah, that one hurt. It's so crushing. <laughs> All the things that Magica says about Lena in this episode, like, oh, she's not real. She's yeah, she like she was never a, a person. It was all just fake, and it's all uh, like just a, like me control. Like it's so sad. And oh, Lena, God, Lena's character is just so heartbreaking like not not only is she like in this abusive family situation it's not even like a family situation she was just made for nefarious purposes and has to like live like that and she knows that like the other characters don't but she knows that and it's oof it's a lot no wonder that she thinks she's a monster because she was literally created as a monster. Evil stuff, yeah. Yeah, soul-crushing stuff mm-hmm. between Lena and Webby and Magica, all, all that. Oh, this whole episode. Also because, once again, it, it kind of showed that Webby has a crush on Lena when, <laughs> she's, when she's like, oh, um, uh, uh, what, what, what yeah, She says, so, who's, who's really good at breaking into anything, including your heart? Yeah. It's like, oh, baby. Oh. oh. Baby's yeah. first crush. So cute. Absolutely. Yeah. And then really once again, it's absolutely incredible how they managed to fit it fit like so many things into this one mm-hmm. episode. Um and it's not even that long. Like everybody's fighting on all these different ends, like uh, Gyro and his gang. Um and uh uh 
Donald and Mrs. B. And oh my god, Donald's normal voice. <laughs> yeah. So unsettling. <laughs> so <laughs> that 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 was um so the device that Gyro gives him is called the Barksian Modulator. Mm-hmm. And that's a reference to Carl Barks, who did the comics, the original DuckTales comics, who like, created all of these stories and these characters that they um that we have today. And sort of the the idea here is because in the comics Donald is perfectly intelligible because it's written so you uh, you know everything he says you understand him perfectly yeah. and he created you know this very wonderful character with Donald you know who's an adventurer and a hero and a father and mm-hmm. you know and he he was like a big guide for them in writing Donald and like doing this character justice so this was sort of their little nod to the comics of like hey this is the hero that Carl Barks gave us and now you get to like see him the way that you know you would in the comics it's really mm-hmm. nice touch that was very cool but also yeah it was a bit unsettling it yeah, was super unsettling normal. it was Don <laughs> Cheadle who absolutely killed it and yeah, he has such incredible. a good sense of humor and he also did like an interview about it where he was like super serious and like it's so cute it's very funny I'll, yeah. I'll send it to you later yes please yeah so that was like very good but like I said everybody is doing um like like fighting on all these different fronts and so much is happening and it, yeah, it's absolutely incredible like that they managed to balance it so well and that it's yeah it's still so coherent as an yeah. episode and everything comes together so well and everyone once again gets to play into their strengths and Mm-hmm. It's just really good. Like Lu- Louis Kahn's so magic. Uh, Dewey, uh, it just this is you know usual. Um, mm-hmm. Webby gets to kick her in the face, which yes. she deserves. Yes, <laughs> it was so good. very good. That was also like that. What Catherine Tate in this episode took me out so many times. Like when mm-hmm. she starts like controlling the shadow vortex to, mm-hmm. um like uh, hit or, or I, I don't even I think she was doing both at the same time the vortex and like her um staff mm-hmm. shooting beams mm-hmm. or whatever and she does this like um four and home run and tennis thing sports she's so funny I and also like when job. webby kicks her and like when louis like oh uh, a side of it's like, um a result of like destroying the mirror it's like a swift kick to the ribs and she's like what and webby kicks her and she's like my ribs <laughs> <It's so funny. laughs> the way she delivers yeah. that is takes me out every time yeah. my ribs <laughs> yeah i i wrote down so many good quotes because yeah, once again it's not only like great lines but also like a whole coherent episode but the lines like when gyro goes you'll never take me alive wait no please take me alive <laughs> oh my god and like the whole blink once if this is a close friend blink twice if it's just a work yeah wait, he blinks twice it's oh, like oh <laughs> But I mean, he probably doesn't. Like, my interpretation of it is he does it to save this guy. So <laughs> I don't know. I think it's just a really fun. Because at this point, Gyro is really just a guy that works for Scrooge. Like, Gyro yeah. is not 
very involved in the family and he still has this thing where he struggles with not becoming an evil scientist. Yeah. So, um, I mean, it makes sense that right now Scrooge genuinely would not consider him a very close friend because, you know, just a guy who's really good at inventing stuff and works for him. But yeah. um, obviously okay. Gyro also Maybe. gets a wonderful storyline. <laughs> but it's a very good joke. Also, again, the confusing family structure. Hi, everyone of your nephew. Now, who are you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, all these people fighting for you. I'm so confused. It's very funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, that launch pad uh, sings like the, the Darkwing theme with his yeah. own lyrics. That was yes. very good. Also, I didn't mention it the like during the Crash of the Sun Chaser, but like the little, like the Darkwing um inclusion was very good it was very fun like the, you had the theme you had ev- and they had to like the the act the voice actors had to learn the theme like the the sax solo melody to do the joke where they sing along to it and yeah um also like all the names that you see on screen are like like someone in the um you know writer's room i guess um was like hey can, can i come up with all the funny names for the end credits and it's just it's such a wonderful little detail and i love yeah. that they keep including dark ring and like launchpad's connection to dark ring in these fun yeah. little ways launchpad yeah, climbs out is. on the plane like, it's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> i love them like everyone gets to do uh, their thing like their strengths yeah and then like all in the great big mess that is this big battle between Magica and everybody else. It's like they find such good moments to make every character shine. Um yeah. like especially Webby. Webby in this episode killed me. Like she was so sad about Lena and then oh she was never my friend. And then the friendship bracelet protecting her and saving her life once again. Like she's saved by the power of friendship literally. Yeah. The most powerful magic of all. Oh, they were evil for doing that because it made me cry. <laughs> it is so sad, like the way that Lena then gets like destroyed and yeah. Webby. Like everyone celebrates when Magica is like defeated and Webby still standing there, like I just lost my best friend, and it's so, yeah. so sad. I know, and it's like, please don't tell me because I don't want to know. But mm. Lena can't be just really gone right <laughs> it's like she's there in in the shadow but and i'm I, oh my god oh it's my really god, it's so sad <laughs> yeah and then of course the absolute heartbreaking the final few Jesus. moments of the episode where yeah. we see della duck oh my god and what happened absolutely... to her absolutely fucked me up i'm crying (laughs) just remembering it because that is a story that they came up with and it's so deeply tragic Mm -hmm. it's so so sad and i don't know if you could tell from like her like half a line that she got there but that is patrick brewster who was also in community <laughs> just half the community no, cast is in oh the show God. i did not really yeah, no, it was so hard that. like not telling you all of these things and like like showing you like interview clips from ducktales that don't include her and like everything yeah. was very difficult <laughs> to oh, not damn. spoil this for you because obviously i didn't also like just in general want to spoil that della is like out there mm-hmm. <laughs> like yeah. it was Obviously, that is uh, something you have to learn the hard way. And uh, even though I knew, it still made me cry. Again. 
I, I jumped back a couple of times to watch it again because I don't know I love pain I guess mm. <laughs> but it's just she is she stuck on the moon is yeah. that oh my god and, uh, and she can watch them up there and see what happens yeah finally yeah Duckburg and it's oh my god that absolutely destroyed me yeah that's a lot and it's it's season two. It's gonna be a lot. Mm, yeah, can't wait to be more emotionally destroyed by this kids show that has no right to go this hard. <laughs> yep. Um, yeah. Also, I do want to say, like, they they have this little joke in this episode with the eyes, like the classic cartoon eyes and the dog joke that I just thought was yeah. a really nice touch. <laughs> especially, uh, especially with uh, Webby's night vision goggles. Yeah. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I I th- I think I wrote down one of my notes for this episode was uh, Webby saves the day with her intensity and autism, <laughs> and I think yes. she does that several times. Very true. Yes, it's very good. I think uh, one of the notes that Frank Agona said they had for like Webby in this episode was she goes full Wolverine, which I really like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, that's accurate. Yeah. So how do I recover from that? Any tips for somebody who has seen it ten times? You genuinely do not. I'm sorry to tell you this, but it doesn't get easier okay, or better. Fun, I mean, cool, the jokes great. keep being the funniest jokes out there. Uh-huh. Um, and all of these things and the characters keep being your fave little characters. But in truth, it only gets worse, <laughs> emotionally cool, speaking. Great. Can't wait. Especially now that, you know, Della is around. You can imagine what kind of story we're about to embark on. And mm-hmm. that brings us actually to the segment that we do the same every every time. Where I ask you, what are your theories for what's about to happen? Because now I think you actually can form full coherent thoughts about what might happen. Because we have really set up a season two here now. Yeah. So it's it's very interesting because apparently, like... We have seen in these flashbacks that well, Scrooge has not necessarily given up finding her. Um, more that he has tried everything in his power to do so, and he wasn't able to to find her and bring her back. Um, and that's such a tragic like beginning of of this thing where we know now that she's up there and yeah. I don't know. So do I think that, th- yeah, that, um, I don't know if I understood you correctly, but I think as far as I always understood the show, Scrooge definitely thinks that Della has died because he also mm-hmm. spe- talks about her in the past tense. So yeah. he's come to terms with the fact that she's gone. And I think all the characters assume that, like, none of the characters still have hope. It's just that yeah. the triplets would, like, want to know what did happen like they're not like oh our mom's still out there and we gotta find her they like they all think she's gone yeah yes i like i think that you know um this whole five stages of grief thing uh i think scrooge was forced to 
come to acceptance because like literally forced his money was gone um he couldn't do anything else and people just physically had to stop him from trying to do more yeah i mean that and, is sort of the yeah. the tragedy for anyone who loses like a family member and never gets proof of what happened like that mm. happens sometimes that you yeah. lose someone in however in in, in a natural disaster or mm. in a war and you never know for sure if mm -hmm. they really died or when they died or how they died and mm -hmm. it's it's very intense that they put this grief this type of grief that is so so hard to reach acceptance with into this yeah. kids show because Absolutely. obviously they think she must have died like she could not have yeah. survived mm -hmm. to this point now but you know they don't know how or when exactly or anything mm -hmm. and they never found like proof so, of her death and it's really yeah. really upset like it's it's why it's so difficult for everyone to deal with the situation mm. so yeah that's but that's what i mean is an, an absolutely brutal setup to for us now know that she's yeah. up there and she's alive oh, and yeah. she knows that her boys are down there and these other characters have like they don't have any hope of her being alive and don't think that she is there so i i can definitely see um her trying to fight her way back somehow but with, with like with which resources she doesn't have any she never had any because she's stranded up there with one like one spaceship but yeah we we also know that there's like now um, Scrooge is back to being rich again I guess <laughs> like he was bankrupt before um, like they uh, they tell that in the flashbacks as well that he nearly went ban bankrupt uh, trying to find her he apparently has money again now so if like there's any indication that she's still out there all of them will immediately jump back into trying to save her. I'm oh, sure. so you're Just... what? So, so <laughs> what? What are you you thinking? We're gonna see here that like oh, sort of paint me a story. Okay, I think maybe Dell will figure out a way to communicate with them and like make them aware that she's there and trying to come back. Um, and they will have to uh, find a way to get up there to her and like bring her back or something. Very cool. Uh huh. And I'm wondering also if if there's gonna be a situation again where maybe not all of them know, because oh, that was such mm -hmm. a big thing in in the first one. And I mean, they have now learned that all of them are like working best together. Which would be ideal because I think then they could do it. But like, how how do you build that kind of story up? Maybe there like there's some barriers, some difficulties. Maybe there is going to be someone who's holding back information from them. Maybe it's Mark Beeks. I don't know. He seems like the guy who has the technology um, to like talk to people in space um, and then keep it a secret that there's somebody up there to figure out how to make like financial gain out of it or something fucked up guy um, <laughs> <laughs> um i don't know um yeah i it's hard to see um how exactly it's gonna play out but i i can see a season two finale where they're like 
making their journey to space to bring her back or something. Very maybe, cool. Maybe, yeah. I like that. I don't. I I'm t- like I'm trying to figure out what season three then could be, like because it seems like too much of a like stretched out story to make that a season three finale. Um, I mean, I'm going to, yeah. to to tell you that much. It it does end like with the season like this story arc does end with the season two finale and okay. season three moves on to yeah. different. Okay. The different yeah. Arc. So, but I think that's my theory for now that season two finale is in space. <laughs> Nice, 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 nice. I I like how your brain works. Very cool, uh-huh. very cool, very cool. Okay, we'll see. Very excited to see to see how how you how you how you do with season two. Um, okay. And because I ask this every time, has your favorite character changed? I mean, I just keep falling in love more and more with Fenton because he's incredible. Every time he's there, he's yeah. just the the best. I, I love know. seeing him. He makes me so happy. Um, but yeah, and just in general, I think uh, it it it's not that my favorite characters change. I think they they stay the same. I just keep falling in love with other characters as well, on top of the ones yeah. that I already <laughs> love very much. That is why I always say like the top of my list of favorite characters because mm-hmm. it's like so they are they are like fighting for like the top spot because they're basically all like they just yeah. keep being more of them. It's not like they're replacing yeah. each other. Yes. I, I'm really hoping that there's gonna be more Donald in season two because mm. he was very absent for a lot of it in season one, um, and I think especially when it's um about Della, he will have to be there, um, and I cannot wait for that. Um, also, I hope to see more Gyro because oh, I still yeah. absolutely for for no reason at all I am obsessed with this guy. <laughs> Yeah, true. Um, and yeah, if they want to go to space, they will probably need a mad scientist <laughs> to build them some rockets or something. Oh man, um, I'm so excited! I wish we could just binge season two. Ah, uh, yeah, I think that wouldn't be good for my brain, but I also kind of wish that. <laughs> Honestly, because season two is genuinely like season one is already straight bangers, but season two is like straight bangers. Like oh, every yeah. episode okay. is packed with so much lore and so much mm-hmm. story that it like blows my mind just thinking about it like i don't know they keep doing this but okay yeah and again i ask this every every time what was like your most memorable episode of this batch like what was the doctor's episode to you in this oh batch? damn oof um it's hard because at this point like of course there are still very good standalone episodes but all of them have this great big theme that leads up to the finale but yeah if if i had to go like one episode that I get to show to someone without any context or mm. anything, it would be the who's uh, who's Gizmo Duck episode because, it's, oh, yeah. like you said, it is basically just an action movie in itself. Yeah, it's very good. Hell yeah, nice. And yeah. you know, um, just for the fun of it, any more thoughts on what kind of bird or animal or whatever he would be <laughs> in the Ducktales universe? Is it still a chicken? It's or still a, duck. a chicken. I don't think it's not gonna change. Yeah. I'm gonna stick with the, the chicken. <laughs> Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah, Rook. Hell yeah, uh-huh. nice. Love that. Yeah. I think yeah. we're done. I think that wraps us so. up for this season one finale. We will, Oof. you know, yeah. obviously we will continue to watch DuckTales um, and we will continue to talk about DuckTales 
uh, as we've established in our first Duckers episode. But we might. Um, I said back then that it would give us that that we would have twelve episodes of Ducktales, which I think we might end up with more mm-hmm. because we might have to split up the next season differently. But mm-hmm. um, either way, I hope you guys like this, like us talking about Ducktales. Let us know how you feel about it, and you do, you do the honors. Um, yeah, that's it for today. Thank you all so much for listening. Um, we want to thank Mikuno Salome on Tumblr for our cover art. And if you want to talk to us, you can find us on Tumblr and TikTok at GTSY Podcast, or find us on Twitter at Crimcast, or send us an email at crimcast at gmail.com. Right. Bye. Bye.